Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Amen, amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be worshiping with you. And um, and we're in a series called Hope That Heals. Hope That Heals. And we're talking through what it looks like to go after those things we hope after, the things we are certain about from Scripture. And we've been looking at eight different ones. Now we're in our ninth. We're looking at all these different facets of hope that we can have in our King. And each of them actually is start or sourced in a problem, in a struggle. And then God's solution for it brings us hope. And the one we're looking at today is our humanity. We are human. We are natural, if you want to say it that way. And that can be a large-scale limitation when we're walking through life. But God has given us hope. Hope that he empowers his church. Man, the church on fire is not just a bunch of people who run a really good club. And all of God's people said, this is about the power of God unleashed in this place. His word, his authority, him changing us. May he get all the glory. That's what we're going after, all right? God empowers the church. So what does it look like for us to go after that, to celebrate that? Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 20. And I love this passage. We're going to go verses 20 through 25. This is a passage that really every church should go after. For us, this is our motto. This is our goal. We long to be this church. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 to 25. This talks all about what it looks like for God to be at work in the church and how we can praise him, how we can worship him, how we can celebrate him in the process. All right, so what is our responsibility and our role? Point number one, thank your God who speaks to and moves in his church. Thank your God who speaks to and moves in his church. His church on fire is God is moving powerfully, one heart at a time, one soul at a time, one room at a time, God moving in the place. May we praise him, may we thank him, may we celebrate him along the way, all right? 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, in fact, if you know this passage, this is actually a passage that's talking a lot about the tongues, about what it means to be able to have the gift of tongues and how that should even be used in the church. And he begins to talk about it here, about what it should be and what it should not be and making sure of clarity on that and then bringing up, so then how is the church on fire? So here we go, starting in verse 20. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Brothers, that's how he starts. Everybody say, that means saved. Right, so he's talking to the saved here. He says, brothers, you who trust in Christ, do not be children in your thinking. Do not be children. Don't be little ones in how you think. Don't be immature in your processing. And uh, Kids, how do kids think? Well, I just wrote these words down. I feel, I want I demand. That's a pretty good three-step dance. 
I feel, I want, I demand. You know, there's a great economist uh, who actually had a wonderful insight to education, and he said, our children have been taught to have an opinion. We just forgot to teach them to know what they're talking about first. Our children have been taught to have an opinion. We just forgot to teach them to know what they're talking about. Have the facts in it. That's from Thomas Sowell and just an amazing uh, learned guy. Maybe here's another way to say it. Uh, feelings without facts. That's moving as a child rather than an adult. That's moving immaturely rather than maturely. I'm just moving on what I feel. Feelings without facts. Or here's another one. Desires without discipline. And those will train wreck your life. Be super careful with it. He said, don't be children in your thinking. Make sure there's discipline. Make sure there's facts. Make sure you know what you're talking about. Process along the way. Don't be children in your thinking. And then he contradicts that a little bit. He says, but be infants in evil. Be infants when it comes to evil. Man, we're talking about children. Now we've even lowered it. Infant. Be infants when it comes to evil. Do not look to experience the evil in this world. Do not look to taste of what it is to go after what's wrong. Be infants when it comes to what's evil. Innocent, uh, inexperienced, never been there, haven't tasted that. That should be our goal. Lord, may I be an infant in the things of evil. That's a huge battle cry. And you know, the world kind of teaches a little bit of the opposite. You really need to be, right? We would use phrases like, been around the block, right? We almost start to talk about it like it's a little bit more favorable to have experienced evil. Just so you know, Eve finally experienced evil. Satan was like, just so you know, God's lying. You can know good from evil if you go after this. And Eve ended up tasting of evil personally and got to know it in a destructive, personal way. God's like, don't destroy yourself. Don't hurt yourself with evil. He's like, be infants when it comes to evil. No valuing of that experience. He says, but in your thinking, be mature. In your thinking, be mature. How we process is so, so important. Your thinking matters. Be wise in your thinking. Be processing in your thinking. I just wrote some words down for what it looks like to be mature in your thinking. Be biblical in your thinking. Be biblical. Make sure that you know what scripture has to say about it. Man, I'm just telling you, these are unprecedented times we were in. These last four months and whatever is going on going forward, make sure you are not processing just through a filter of what ticks you off. Make sure you're not processing through a filter of, I would never do that. Make sure you're processing through a, what does scripture have to say? Make sure you're grasping God's command on your life and you're understanding that biblical, Christ-centered. If you're mature, you're going to know how this affects Jesus Christ and how it puts him number one in your life how it puts them number one in this world. The biblical, Christ-centered, worshipful. And these are all great words for what it looks like to be mature in your thinking. But here's some more. Disciplined, informed, reasoning, being able to process and think through how does this work. Disciplined, 
informed, reasoning. Man, we are called from Scripture to be thinkers. And all of God's people said, don't miss that. Don't set that down. Don't set it aside. Maybe you're like, yeah, but I'm more gifted with feeling. Like, I love to feel things, and I'm all great with that. I'm glad if you know your feelings and you're in touch with that. I'm glad if things well up inside you and you have a passion. Please hear me. Don't check your brain at the door. And all of God's people said, right? It's more than just feeling. It is thinking and reasoning along the way. And may we be mature in our thinking. May we be infants when it comes to evil. May we literally celebrate who our God is with our mature thinking. And then he says, in the law, it is written. See, he just got done saying, be mature in your thinking. So then the next thing he says is, go to scripture. In the law, it is written. And he begins to process through what it says. Make sure you know how to go to the word. Make sure you're looking at what the word has to say. And you're going after it with all you've got. He says, in the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then... They will not listen to me, says the Lord. This is a quote that comes from Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. And and in the middle of this passage, he brings up Isaiah 28 because he's talking about tongues. Remember I said that's what the other part of 1 Corinthians 14 was about. And so he's about to transition back to that conversation. He's like, please hear me. Have your brains engaged. Please hear me, not just emotional well-ups. Please hear me, be mature in your processing. Okay, back to the tongue statement, just so we're clear. And then he quotes Isaiah 28. Yeah, there's gonna be languages from foreigners who are gonna speak into Israel and it's not gonna move their hearts. It's gonna turn out that the foreign tongues don't have the impact. And so he now bridges that over into their experience in the early church and he says, thus... Tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. He says, thus, which is another way of saying, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, right? In the original language, these two words are very close together, thus and therefore. And, and he's saying, look, because of this truth, that it turns out that foreign language doesn't just change the heart of someone who is drifting away from God and isn't listening to him. There's more that's needed. And he says, in fact, tongues actually are not for the believer, but for the unbeliever. There's a lot of churches that rally together and they love the speaking out in tongues. I'll just tell you, we as a church, we don't declare that tongues are ceased or dead, but we certainly would declare limited to a certain spot and need where God is communicating across. Notice here he says, for the unbeliever, there's a goal of communicating across. Tongues are predominantly an evangelistic tool. That was God's plan predominantly reaching across from one culture to another, one language to another, one people group to another to be able to share in the truth of God's word. And he's like, just so we keep this in mind, don't let the church run off into a train wreck of constantly going after these tongues for the believers. That's not what they're there for. He says, tongues are not for the believer, but for the unbeliever. They're for somebody to be able to walk up to another person from another country and be able to communicate God's word and see them come to trust Christ as Savior and see him get fired up. May God get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, 
He's like, let's make sure we know and understand what we're doing. Tongues are not for the believer, they're for the unbeliever. He says, while prophecy is a sign for the believer, not for the unbeliever, but for the believer. Prophecy is a sign for the believer, not for the unbeliever, right? And so let's make sure we understand this word prophecy. It's a really big deal. Now, if I say the word prophecy, go ahead and think about it. Get your definition for a moment. Prophecy. What's your definition? Okay. Got it? Usually, we'll say something like, foretell the future. We'll throw something in like that. And I just want to tell you, the word prophecy means so much more than that. And so here's the best definition of it. Prophecy. It means to tell what God wants told. It's telling out what God wants told. It may be looking to the future. God knows the future. God manages everything. He's absolutely sovereign. God may be sharing out the future. It could be that. It could be about the present. It could be about just knowing and understanding God's word. And, and we would talk about it as a foretelling, if it's the future, a forthtelling, if it's for the here and now. But it's being able to share what God wants shared. And the goal is to be able to encourage, to build up, to bring forward and challenge, to have us walk together. This, what we're doing right now, this would be biblical prophecy. It's telling forth what God's word says and guiding into how we should go about responding to it. This is forthtelling. This is prophecy. And so he's like, go through the word and let God's word impact souls. You watch people get rocked who are believers. They need to hear more about who Jesus Christ is and how we go after him. May there be a forthtelling as a regular diet in the church. This is what we need to be going after, regularly going through the word. And just so we're super clear, the scripture in 2 Timothy 3, it says the word of God is sufficient, fully sufficient to lead us into every good work. Did you know that? To equip us. God's word, fully sufficient. He's like, I have given you everything that needs to be foretold for you to be fully equipped. God doing a work in his word, fully sufficient. Everybody say fully sufficient. Dude, that is a huge theological premise. God's word is fully sufficient. And so we go to God's word regularly. We're not saying, Lord, give me some new fresh word. Uh, I'm setting the Bible down. Please talk to me again. It turns out as God would want us to know that, he's already told us that. May we pick up his word. May we see it and read it and go after it with all we've got. And so I'm not saying that God doesn't work on an independent basis or an individual basis in different ways. But please hear me. Our primary diet is to go after God's word being forth told. And all of God's people said, and man, this is a huge diet for the believer. We're not looking for the wow factor. We're not looking for these big demonstrative moments that look good, but in fact, they're made more to bridge across, to bring unbeliever to Christ. We're looking more for God's word shared in a language you know, straight up to you, so that we can straight up see where we need to go. May we think maturely. May we act with discipline and worship. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, dude, this is a huge deal that we grasp. Paul giving a very clear direction as to what the roles in the church should look like. And prophecy, the speaking forth of God's word, should be the preeminent, 
that grows the church. And then these crossing uh, language barriers for being able to bring someone to Christ. May God get all the glory there. And uh, super high privilege for us to be able to be a part of those and to see God move in those. I'm just telling you, I love being a part of a church that is on fire. I love being a part of a church where when we open up our word, everybody's opening up their Bibles, pulling up a phone to get the Bible up, getting ready to take notes. Man, we are on fire for Jesus Christ. May God get the glory in. You know, this past couple of weeks, uh, we had somebody come in to the office and uh, one of the girls came back, knocked on the door. We had a pastoral meeting going on and said, hey, we have somebody at the front. Could somebody come up and talk to them? It looks like they have something going on. And, and uh, so Pastor Mike and I agreed to go on up and have a chat with them. And so we went up to talk to this guy and uh, just a sweet, sweet guy brought him back to my office and we had a chat for a while, about an hour or so. And, and as we chatted, um, he had a lot of questions about what's going on right now. How is this working? What does it mean for what's happening to me? And how do I process God in the midst of this? And some decision-making questions. It was just a sweet time to talk through things. And at one point, um, Pastor Mike ended up saying, well, let's just walk through the gospel message and made that really clear for him. And as we walked through the gospel message with him, after that, just kind of asking him, so where are you at? And, um, you know, he was maybe not quite exactly sure on how to answer that. And I said, what if we just, you know, like put a stake in the ground right here now? And I'll just tell you, he was from another country, a French-speaking country. And uh, I said, what if we just took right here and right now where you just said, like, God, here's where I'm at. I do believe you're risen from the get dead, Jesus. I believe that. I do confess you as Lord. I do. You're in charge. You take over. Like, what if you just took this moment right now? Maybe it's just reiterating where you've already been. Maybe it's for the first time. It doesn't matter. Let's just lock it down. What do you think? And he said, yeah, I don't think so. I said, okay. Can I ask why? And he said, I don't know English that well. And I said, well, it isn't about English at all. Like, dude, if you want to bring it in French, bring it. God can speak any language. Just bring it to your God with all you got. And he said, okay. And he scooted up on the edge of the couch and he unleashed the most gorgeous prayer in French that I have heard in a long time as he just ripped the statements of who he was. And I know Spanish, there's a little bit of Latin-based overlap. So there's times where you're like, I know that word. You know what I mean? As he's going through and, and he's like nailing down exactly where he stood with belief and confession and I'm in God and, and uh, heard the words Alpha and Omega. Like it was so powerful, the prayer. Please hear me. Our God speaks all languages and all of God's people said. It's a huge deal, man. Amen. Our God will bring from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Our God has a plan. And there is no limitation. God is moving in this world. And yes, tongues are there to be able to bridge across and bring people home to him. May God get all the glory. And yes, his word is here. That daily and regularly, we can be fired up for Jesus Christ as we take time for his word to be told into our souls. May God get all the glory. Man, simple question. Are you praising the one who moves in his church? Are you worshiping the one who has no boundary when it comes to language? Are you ready to celebrate your savior with all you've got because of his word in your life? May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, 
and our God moves in this world. That's point number one. Point number two, be in awe of your God who challenges believers and convicts unbelievers, bringing them to their knees. Be in awe of your God who challenges believers and convicts unbelievers, bringing them to their knees. He says, if therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, right, what's the therefore, therefore? He's like, hey, we've talked about the role of tongues. We've talked about the role of prophecy and getting God's word out. We've talked about the church on fire going through his word. So if therefore the whole church comes together, and I just want to say this out loud right here, part of the role of the church is to gather Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't forsake the gathering together of the assembly. Obviously, first and foremost, we prefer a physical gathering if we can do it, right? And if we can't, praise God that at least we live in 2020 where we can go online live stream. Love having you guys with us. And we are gathering together. Ready? And all of God's people online said, man, use that amen. Bring it in. Fill up the chat. And all of God's people said, Man, it is great to gather. We can be together. And there is power in coming together. And know this, part of coming together is God stirring both in the living room and in the worship center. May God get all the glory. He says, so if, therefore, the whole church comes together. By the way, a little side note on the coming together. Um, if you're actually thinking, hey, I came to an in-person service, uh, so I should hold back for two or three weeks and let other people go, just so you know, we have a large number of people that are unable to come right now in this season. And so actually, there's probably more than enough room to be able to consistently be coming to the church. If you're able to come, make that part of your goal, all right? And let's get to regularly attending church and let's see what happens with that. And uh, we hold loosely to all of it, but we're coming with what we've got. So I just want to throw that out there for those who are thinking, hey, I can be a little bit understanding, give every other week or every third week. That's not necessary, all right? All right, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, remember what tongues are for, reaching to the unbeliever, and all speak in tongues, like we have a problem now, there's no prophecy going on. If we come together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers come together with them, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Are you hearing that? Like if you come in the room and all that's happening is foreign language babble going on everywhere and there's no boundary and there's no structure and there's no reason and there's no understanding, is it not going to just create a, these guys are nuts. Like you're missing the whole prophecy piece. He was saying the church was beginning to go after having too much tongues, too much and not enough speaking in the word. Make sure you understand that that was about reaching out to the unbeliever and it wasn't even working because now you don't even have interpretation translation going on. He's like, careful, let's make sure we go after this together. So he says, if therefore the whole church comes together and there's only a speaking in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers uh, gather or enter in, will they not say you're out of your minds? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or uh, outsider enters, he is convicted by all. If all are prophesying, meaning if every time you come in, there's the speaking forth of God's word, there's the bringing the clarity of what's going on, there's the this is what our God is all about, that's happening. 
And when someone is speaking, the others are like, yes, that's what God is all about. And taking down note. And we all together are like, yes, bring forth the truth of God's word. Let's see what God has to say. I'm ready to be convicted. And then he says, not only is there a prophesying of all, but he says, in that case, it is convicting. And they're convicted by all. Every single person responding, just so we're clear. When an unbeliever is sitting in the room, somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, and you're sitting in the room and you're fired up for Jesus Christ and you can't wait to go after him. When you're taking notes, when you're reading your Bible, there is something you're saying that gives this message. My God is so worth knowing. Go after him. Go after him with all you've got. Make sure that God is getting the worship. And I'm telling you, there is a convicting in the room that goes on as you're going after Christ and someone else looks over and goes, dude, I should be more like that. Why am I not finding Jesus Christ to be like that in my life? Man, I want to go after him too. We all have a role in this room to go after our God with all we've got every time we gather. Ready? And all of God's people said, and in the midst of God's word being shared and in the midst of all being convicted and going after it together, it says, he is called to account by all. Now the unbeliever sitting in there is like literally saying, I'm convicted by this. I'm seeing it. I'm called to worship my God. He is called to account by all. It says the secrets of his heart are disclosed. Have you ever noticed that in the middle of a service as we're walking through a passage, there's a moment in time where all of a sudden you feel like God is sort of pressing in a little bit. Where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's making it clear that something needs to change in your life. And you're like... Man, it's almost like Tim was in my room with me this week and saw me fail in this way. I wasn't. Don't be creeped out. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people I've had come up and they're like, dude, how did you know about that going on? I don't know that. I'm talking in generalities. We're lifting this word up and we're letting it sit. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit begins to say, this is for you. I love you. This is where we're working right here and right now on this spot. And literally it says, the secrets of our heart are disclosed. That's the power of God at work in the church. You want a definition for a church on fire? This is it. The secrets of the heart disclosed. God's word being lifted up and the heart being disclosed. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, man, don't miss it. That's a church on fire. This world may be selling some whole other plan, but I'm telling you a church on fire is when your heart is being stirred by the Holy Spirit and you are going out to go after things afresh for him. May God get all the glory, all right? Huge that we go after him together. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face. What does it look like when our heart is disclosed? Lord God, I'm sorry. Lord, please forgive me. God, I am done with. And as we talk about what it is to be able to trust in Jesus Christ, believe that he is risen from the dead, confess him as Lord. Maybe you're here even today and you're like, I have not done that. And saying, Lord, I'm ready to step in and make that my call. You're in charge. Take over. May God get all the glory in your life. It's when we respond to him by falling on our face, by worshiping him and saying, you're in charge. 
truly let God being in charge of your life saying, Lord, I hand you this sin, I hand you this struggle, may you take over. Falling on their face, it says he will worship God. They will literally declare out, you're in charge, you are God of my life, I'm handing this to you. And then the last statement, and they will declare that God is truly among you. That God is surely among you. That God is really there. All of a sudden, as God is moving in the place, there's like, there is something different about being in this room right now. There is something happening. That is a church on fire. We don't open up magazine articles and chit-chat. We don't come up with the best felt need statement we can. We come back to God's word. We let him rock us and wreck us and stir us and rebuild us. And we declare out with all we've got, surely God is among us. Surely God is here. He is here. Everybody just say, he is here. He is here and he is at work. And God loves to stir in a room that is attentive to who he is. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. We are going after being a church on fire. We are going after being a church that celebrates him. As the Holy Spirit moves in this room, as he stirs in your heart, may God get all the glory. Our job, each week when we come to church, it's not just a social gathering. Please hear me. Correcting this pretty firmly, okay? Church is not just a social gathering. Please notice I use the word just. It can be a wonderful time to gather. By the way, on the way out, feel free to be gathering in the parking lot, chit-chat. Build it together. That's great, okay? There is a value in gathering together, but it is not just a social gathering. It is to be on fire for Jesus Christ. It is to meet our God, hear from his word, have the Holy Spirit whisper, a life change starts happening and I give it over to him. That's a church on fire. And all of God's people said, may the Holy Spirit work right here and right now. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 